0: Break break breakthrough, breakthrough. break breakthrough break breakthrough Break through Break break breakthrough Break breakthrough. break breakthrough You are now listening to Breakthrough News <laughs> It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News And this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we're back with you here on the 26th of February, 2021, Friday, closing out the week plenty for you here to end out the week. We're going to be talking about a massive clean water crisis in the U.S. We'll be explaining what's going on with the minimum wage issue in terms of the U.S. Congress. But before we get to either of those two crucial stories, we want to start with Biden launching a strike in Syria. Well, last night, the United States launched airstrikes in Syria against two Iraqi armed groups, allegedly in retaliation for an attack on a U.S. facility in Iraq, that neither of the groups that were struck actually even claimed responsibility for. So just right there, you can see that the U.S. attack is certainly not the reprisal attack that it's being made out to be. From our point of view, it's a message from the occupier to the occupied. Now, the official death toll is not entirely clear, but it does seem to be in the dozens. So what happens here? Well, on February 15th, there was the aforementioned attack. Very small rocket attack. Three small rockets uh, were fired. And the groups that claimed credit for it, no one had even ever heard of before. And in fact, Pakistani media has reported that Iraqi intelligence actually told the U.S. it was ISIS remnants that did it. Not, again, either of the two groups that were struck last night. And in that attack, one non-U.S. contractor and a few American contractors were wounded. Now, the U.S. and their strike, the one from last night, dropped 3,500 pounds of bombs, 3,500 pounds of bombs. They killed, you know, what looks of upward of a dozen people. I've seen as many as 20. And again, the strikes were launched on two groups uh, that were not even, that were not involved in February 15th in terms of at least what they have claimed. And those two groups, by the way, are Kitab uh, Hezbollah and Kitab Saeed al Shahuda. Now, these two groups are actually elements of the Iraqi security forces. So they're actually a part of the Iraqi government. They are legally in Syria as part of the partnership between those two countries. Now, again, neither of those groups claim they were involved in February 15th. And in fact, Kitab Hezbollah actually denied that they were publicly. However, they are both major critics of the U.S. presence in Iraq and have demanded a U.S. withdrawal of all its military forces. It's also worth noting here the leader of Khatib Hezbollah, was also one of the people murdered by the United States last year in the strike that killed Qasem Soleimani. So a top leader in Iraq's own military, essentially, murdered along with Soleimani, part of one of these groups that was struck last night. Groups like these, of course, are part of a large consensus that the U.S. should, in fact, leave the country. Last year, Iraq's parliament, and what was a non-binding vote, but certainly a telling one, voted for the U.S. to withdraw from the country. They were, you remember, the U.S., that is, kicked out of the country in 2011 when there was no agreement over the status of forces agreement when Obama was president. Now, the U.S. was invited back during the fight against ISIS. But now that that fight is basically over, the demands for the U.S. to leave have grown to significant proportions. And some small groups of people seem determined to launch these small rocket attacks as a form of resistance to the U.S. presence, which is ultimately what the U.S. strike is all about. They're sending a message to opponents of the U.S. military presence in Iraq and the broader region Uh, That they are not going anywhere, that the U.S. is not going anywhere and can strike any critic at any time under any pretext without having to offer any evidence uh, of, of, of what the relationship may be. It's a message that any tie with Iran also of any sort means that you can be struck at any time as well. It's also a message to Iran that they cannot conduct regional diplomacy freely, that as long as they refuse to conform to U.S. policy, that any of their friends and any of their moves will be viewed as hostile and will be be targeted, no matter what the purpose or the nature of such engagement may be. It's collective punishment. If anyone dares strike the U.S., the U.S. will kill whoever they want. So if you or anyone doesn't want to be innocently murdered, or really doesn't want anyone else to be innocently murdered for what you did, better just toe the line. Those are classic occupation tactics which, of course, is the result of making people afraid to affiliate with the resistance to the occupation of their own country. Again, classic occupation tactics, divide and rule, make it seem like it's worse to resist than it is to conform. And that issue of divide and rule becomes even more clear when one considers reports that an Iraqi intelligence agent helped the U.S. do this attack in Syria on these Iraqi groups. So that means that the U.S. weaponized various elements of Iraq's government against one another. Mm. I mean, it's really amazing if you think about it. The U.S. sanctions Iraq throughout the 90s, kills a million people, invades the country illegally in 2003, kills many hundreds of thousands of people more, and just completely destroys the country, even more so than the sanctions that already killed a million people. Then... After being invited back, they refused to accept the invitation to leave and now are saying anyone who does anything about it is inviting collective punishment on people who may not even be related across three or four different countries. U.S. imperialism seems like a pretty good descriptor for that type of behavior. Well, we told you yesterday the fight for a $15 an hour minimum wage could come down to a decision by the Senate parliamentarian. And that is indeed what took place. And now, the decision about what ultimately happens, about whether 32 million people in this country get a raise, comes down to the political will of the Democrats and what is a major test to their claims to be a friend of working class people. Now, shortly after we went on the air yesterday, the Senate parliamentarian ruled that the relief bill could not be passed via budget reconciliation with a $15 an hour minimum wage within it because it did not meet the narrow rules around what can be considered through this budget reconciliation mechanism. Now, the parliamentarian is like a referee around the rules that the Senate makes, and mostly they make these rules for themselves. But unlike sports, the vice president, as the president of the Senate, can actually overrule that and allow the bill to proceed with the wage hike. So you seek a decision from the Senate parliamentarian, but the parliamentarian is not blocking the vote, as it were. So House Democrats, many House Democrats, especially from the Congressional Progressive Caucus, are urging the Senate and the White House to just proceed and plan to pass their version of the final bill with the minimum wage still included, which would force Senate Democrats to either strip it out or to just go right ahead and uh, and league with the White House, overrule it and move forward. The White House, however, seems pretty eager to let it go. And Joe Biden, of course, as long as a week ago, was saying that it wouldn't end up in the bill. So they aren't really pressing super hard for it. And when it all comes down uh, to it, the whole thing really is just about, quote-unquote, bipartisanship. Democrats don't want to look as if they are strong-arming a vote through. They want to play to just a mythical view of bipartisanship and democracy and so on and so forth. Because they could overrule the rules decision. They also could abolish the filibuster, another made-up rule, and also pass the bill with 51 votes, i.e. the votes they have. But both of those moves are considered to be breaching some just totally fake decorum of bipartisanship. The throwaway excuse of centrist Democrats is often held out there where we can't hold the people together. But at the end of the day, well, one, it doesn't seem like there are that many Democratic senators even questioning the minimum wage, just questioning the process. But Again, at the end of the day, they could, in fact, be strong-armed. We're talking about the leadership of the Democratic Party, the president of the United States. They could strong-arm these people if they wanted to. But, you know, God forbid the Democrats be seen as going to the mat to help pass a big priority for working-class people. They really do appear ready to leave tens of millions of people living in poverty rather than end one of two totally made-up rules that only exist to serve a purely ideological function of making U.S. democracy look like some great collaborative enterprise. 32 million people could get a raise. There are so many people making low wages, so many people, get this, that the average person under this Raise the Wage Act would get a $3,000 a year raise over the five years that it phases in. That's how many low-income people are making such low wages that that's what they would make up. 32 million people could get a raise. Many of them would be lifted out of poverty. Democrats seem ready to just leave them in poverty because they don't want to get rid of one of two made-up rules. There is a potential compromise on offer here. There's an amendment backed by both Bernie Sanders and Josh Hawley that would punish large businesses who refuse to pay $15 an hour. That, now, that's clearly totally inadequate, totally unsatisfactory, nothing like the impact that you would need to, ha- be, to have there. But it's it's a thing. It's something that looks maybe could look good for some people. So don't be surprised to see something like that in the final bill. But ultimately, here's the bottom line. This is what you really need to remember. 32 million people could get raises. Many millions of them would be lifted out of poverty. And if they don't end up getting the raise, if they don't end up getting lifted out of poverty, it's because the Democrats didn't care enough about it. Period. Well, The Guardian newspaper, has examined water systems in 140,000 localities in the United States. They have found that 25 million people are drinking, quote, water that fails to meet federal health standards, including by violating limits for dangerous contaminants, end quote. They also note that, quote, water systems in counties that are 25% or more Latino are violating drinking water contamination rules at twice the rate of those in the rest of the country say that again. In counties that are 25% or more Latino, they are violating water contamination rules at twice the rate of those in the rest of the country. Texas, whose water has recently been in the news, of course, during the crisis uh, with power going out, has the most high violation systems of any uh, state there. So they have the most county level water systems that have high violations. After that is California and after that is Oklahoma. Now, the highest average number of violations is Oklahoma, West Virginia, New Mexico. But, you know, put that all together, Texas, California, Oklahoma, West Virginia, New Mexico all have very bad water, very high violations. Some other points that the Guardian investigation revealed. They note that poor counties have more than twice as many violation points as wealthy ones. Rural counties have 28% more violation points than metropolitan ones. And some water systems report hundreds of violation points year after year without any action from the government and without being required to notify customers. Mm. Poor counties have twice as many violations as wealthy ones. And as for the issue of the disparities with the Latino population, The Guardian further notes that, uh, experts who studied the, who looked at the data, quote, say Latinos are particularly at risk because they often live near industrial farms in California and the West that have polluted local water with nitrates and runoff from fertilizers and manure. They are also more likely to live in the Southwest where arsenic violations are common, end quote. They also note, the Guardian that is, that many violations are actually going unreported, including 92% related to lead and copper piping, by the way. But drinking water problems overall, the experts they uh, consulted say that about 38%, there's a 38% Uh, under-reporting rate as it concerns water problems. So there's 38% more Than everything that you just heard in terms of what's so bad, most likely, and it could be worse in many cases. And also, what is an important element of this, most state and federal standards are actually out of sync with what science suggests are safe levels of exposure to many of these contaminants. So even if they do do something and do say we're going to act on the various action limits of the FDA and so on and so forth, it doesn't in the EPA. It doesn't actually mean that The water is safe. So there you go right there. I mean, for instance, a good example of that is lead. There's an EPA action level for lead that's supposed to be safe, but science says there actually is no safe level of lead. So it gives you a sense of where we are. I mean, (laughs) the world's richest country, trillions of dollars can be spent on Wall Street, but apparently every citizen cannot be provided with clean water. And beyond that, not even just not provided with clean water, in many cases, they can't even be provided with the information that the water isn't safe capitalist america for you that's the punch out for today we're with you monday through friday 5 p.m here in new york east coast standard time 2 p.m in los angeles pacific standard time and 9 p.m g m t And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.